you're listening to I Might Be Wrong, a podcast hosted by myself, Rich Needham, and my co-host, Henry Salmon. Welcome, everybody. You're listening to I Might Be Wrong. I've got Henry with me, of course. How are you, sir? Hello, Rich. Yes, I'm very well, thanks. It's been a a busy weekend, um, and it's not finished yet. Well, you've had a a busy week and a half, and work seemed to have been uh, riding you rather hard, and I was busy last weekend. So we're we're actually... a two-week gap between episodes for the first time since Christmas. Yeah, and uh, got a bit of catching up to do. So yes. I thought we would get back into it with an album which isn't as a clear-cut classic, but it's a big favourite of mine. This band that you've picked, they're a really interesting one because I always think of them as being this culty little indie band that, you know, some people know, but they're sort of sneakily huge aren't they tell us who you've picked yeah i've gone for the flaming lips and their 2002 album yoshimi battles the pink robots mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i didn't pick a soft bulletin which is probably more critically acclaimed but we can go into that i think the soft bulletin is the reason why i had quite an adverse reaction to yoshimi Mm-hmm. Just, just purely because I'd love particular songs from it so much, and then Yoshimi seemed a little bit cartoonish to me. Yeah, yeah, we'll get into that. Do you want to tell us about the Flaming Lips? Let's let's talk about the band first. So the Flaming Lips are centered around Wayne Coyne, who is a kind of long-haired, mustachioed, beardy, clearly weird frontman of a, I guess, a psych rock band. Mm-hmm. They're formed in Oklahoma in, in like 1983. So they've been around for ages. And I think their bassist, Michael Ivins, is the only other permanent long-term member. But there's a bunch of others. It's it's a fairly big band and they've had a few incarnations. But really, those it, it's, it's Wayne Coyne, who's the guy whose brainchild all this is. And um, yeah, he had your kind of classic rock and roll upbringing of having four brothers into doing drugs and listening to Zeppelin and Floyd and the Stones and all of that stuff. And he's come out of the back of that with a slightly kind of wacky outlook on on music and on life. You say slightly wacky. That's probably one of the biggest understatements of this podcast. He is a man who embraces all aspects of weird. He, He loves it. And this is where I initially didn't like the Flaming Lips. So <laughs> when they were around in the late 90s, uh, we've mentioned the soft bulletin already, I guess they were overtly, they're almost a caricature. Their on-stage presence is huge and they do all sorts of silly things on stage. Uh, and Wayne Coyne yep. has, has said himself that he's um, he wants to be an entertainer. And, and I think that's really where I had a bit of an adverse reaction to them initially. So... <laughs> When you're growing up as a teenager in the UK, at least for me, I wanted my musicians to be legitimately grumpy or <laughs> legitimately cross. So I wanted my radio heads to be a bit down the dumps and I wanted my green days to be pissed off at life and all of this stuff. And in the middle of all this, the flaming lips appeared, bouncing around on stage in throwing balloons everywhere and talking about all sorts of wild and wacky things. And... and I guess I just didn't like that very much. See, I didn't even know about them from uh, how they were live. I, listening to XFM, heard a lot of 
things like Race for the Prize and Waiting for a Superman Mm -hmm. and tracks like that that came off the Soft Bulletin. I hadn't heard of them before the Soft Bulletin, even though they've got like eight albums before they even got to this one. But I just really enjoyed that slightly... I guess it's almost like a hazy psychedelic sound to their rock but it's upbeat and it's got a lot of positivity and and it's great storytelling race for the prize is a great storytelling track Mm. and that really appealed to me but as we've sort of hinted at that got a little bit less serious with the next album i guess yeah so i read a good review actually of the soft bulletin which talks about kind of fusing a sense of futility with an element of euphoria and and the soft bulletin actually <laughs> is a quite an interesting it's an ambitious album yep. it's been compared to pet sounds by the beach boys it's orchestral it's ambitious it's got synth it's got drum machines there's a great quote from wayne coin talking about recording a soft bulletin he said if someone was to ask me what instrument do i play i'd say the recording studio so he loves this big scale total bonkers style of of working so pretentious which pissed me (laughs) it is it is but they actually just before that if we have flaming lips fans on all of those flaming lips fans especially from the 90s will probably mention she don't use jelly yes which is probably their i think it's still their biggest hit single if you don't know it it's the one that talks about a girl who thinks of ghosts and puts vaseline on toast it's got all sorts of stupid lyrics. Very indie. I don't think it's aged well. It's a fun song for people who like it, but it sounds very, very MTV 90s, proper indie. And yeah, I loved that at the time. It was it was totally up my street. Is that on Soft Bulletin or is that one of the earlier albums? Yeah, it's from Transmissions from the Satellite Heart, which was released in 93. So oh, okay. that's a yeah, full six years before the Soft Bulletin came out. It is a bit of a cult classic, I guess. Yes. Then we have the Soft Bulletin. And then Yoshimi came out in 2002, really off the back of the wave of acclaim from the Soft Bulletin. And obviously, being the Flaming Lips, being a bit bonkers, they went in a totally different direction to the Soft Bulletin, which pissed off a lot of their fans. Um, It's probably why you don't like them. And I didn't really like it as well. I think I bought it because of the Soft Bulletin. And because it was received so well and then heard Yoshimi and I was like, well, this is a bit weird. Is it a concept album? Apparently it's not, according to Wayne Coyne. He says it's the first four songs are about robots and and all of that stuff. But it's bigger than that. So it kind of starts off in a robot little world and, uh, and expands. This doesn't happen anymore. But back in the, the day when you were buying CDs, if you bought a CD for £10, £12... Mm. You kind of had to find something you liked on it, <laughs> which is why I played this a lot and wanted to wanted to get into it, even though it wasn't really catching me in the way that a lot of music I'd bought of the time did. Well, you say why I dislike this album, and, and I did dislike it at the time, but it contains one of my all-time favourite Flaming Lip songs, which is Do You Realise, which is not just magnificent on this album, but it's probably one of my favourite things when they do this live. Yeah, and that's where I think, I guess that's the gateway drug to this album for me. It's the song that I kept going back to it and then I got back into this album. And weirdly now, and I'm talking right now, Mm -hmm. I'm playing this album a lot and I'm loving it. I think it's absolutely brilliant. And I don't know whether it's just 
it's more human and it's more kind of touching in a weird way. It's it's funny. There's a great quote from Wayne Coyne on this, which kind of mirrors my thoughts in a little way. He said, I stopped caring so much about what people might think if I sung about love and humanity. I thought, fuck it. I think those are my strongest songs and it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. So he's basically saying, you know what? I'm actually just going to sing about it. And if people don't like it, I'm fine. But if you listen to the lyrics from Do You Realise, it's it's quite deep, man. It's yeah, quite emotional. It is. It's a really poignant, beautiful song about making the most of the time with the people that you love. I think it's one of the most overtly beautiful songs that I've heard done like this that doesn't sound overly sappy. It's funny. So you get the verse of Do You Realise That Everyone You Know Someday Will Die?, and instead of saying all of your goodbyes, let them know you realise that life goes fast and it goes on. And just when you think the verse is going downhill and it's like, everyone's going to die. So hits the chorus, make the most of life. And how cool is that? It's it's mm-hmm. done very well. And if, and if people don't know what we're talking about, this is another one where stop the podcast, find the song, play it. It's, <laughs> it's really, really, really good. Yes. Should we dive into the album? Yeah, well, let's start right at the start with Fight Test. Which kicks the album off in fine style. I, I think it's a really good opener. Cat Stevens didn't and sued them <laughs> and sued <laughs> really? the Flaming Lips because, uh, yeah, well, he said it was a, a ripoff of, of Father and Son. And Wayne Coyne was like, it kind of has influences there, but the Flaming Lips didn't think it was going to be a big deal. Uh, but Cat Stevens was just super on it and went after them legally mm-hmm. it sounds like actually cat stevens does this a lot he will hunt down bands and he loves getting his lawyers in to try and get mm. royalties from other artists that do their recordings so he went off the flaming lips and, and wayne Cohen was like well all right we'll give you some money fair you're not going to get very much money from us there are similarities we're not going to fight it crack on it, it sounds like uh, cat stevens went after him and a lot of others so i think the Flaming Lips just said, yeah, right. I actually don't see the similarity at all, but that's just me. There's definitely a vibe that is similar, but it feels more like an an influence slash homage type deal rather than you're specifically ripping off a certain specific sound. And I, I think there's always this gray area with music because all musicians are influenced by the things that they've heard in the past and while I am anti someone just outright ripping off someone's music without any permission being influenced by a band or some bands and including something that sounds a bit like it in your music is as far as I'm concerned entirely fair game so sorry Cat Stevens you're you're a dick well I thought so too a little bit and um yeah I mean the Flaming Lips didn't waste any time worrying about it. They said, all right, you know, grab the royalties if you, if, if you want, but we carry on. Yeah, and you're right. It is a great track, and it's quite an airy, open, upbeat, nice intro. It's not like a big announcement of, here we are. Like, it's not a statement track. It's just a really nice place to be. Yeah, and this kind of goes on through the album. Um, then you get to something like In the Morning of the Magicians, which has more expansive, huge sound. And mm-hmm. it goes slow and then it goes big and it's grandiose and then it, it shuffles through into kind of different styles. And all the way through this album just starts, I don't know, it started getting into my head <laughs> to the point where I now go back to it and I 
I, I'm actually really loving, as I said, listening to this now because I don't know. I I don't know whether it's that the album's grown on me or whether I'm in a different place now than I was then to appreciate it. I think there's always a bit of that with these kind of albums. Have you deliberately skipped over Yoshimi Battles, The Pink Robots, Part 1 and 2, so I can't criticise them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have, because that's where it goes all concepty and all all weird. We should probably mention, actually, for these two songs, Yoshimi is actually a person. So Yoshimi Pee-wee is a session guitarist, and she was heavily involved with, with the Flaming Lips, and so they've name-checked her on this. Mm-hmm. Go on, then. Do you want to have a dig? Not really. Because I don't like being down on <laughs> bands and songs and stuff on this podcast. It's all about the stuff we love. But this is the track that put me off buying this album because it's a bit cartoonish and it's a bit airy-fairy. And there's, I, I don't like the fact that there's not much to it. It feels like a half-baked idea that just didn't quite reach the levels that I'd expected of them. And that's that's more my issue with it than anything. And Wayne Coyne's voice on this sounds really weak so i right i stopped listening to this album because i was pissed off with these two songs (laughs) 10 years ago right and now i quite like the fact that they don't really do much and don't go too far they just kind of float around and if i've got this on in the background i just i love the sounds and the kind of the vibe in a weird way i don't know i don't know i like it for me it's a song that i've got used to rather than a song that i've grown to love got it It, i just it's fine but it didn't have the brilliant expansive magic that i thought a lot of the previous album had had and part two is just sort of sounds like them dicking around more than anything it's (laughs) it's one of those we fucked around in the studio and had a bit of a jam session and then wayne just threw it on the album because he felt like it I don't think it adds anything to the album. There are some vocally squeak weirdnesses that appear, I think, halfway through, which just do my head on a little bit. That's the only criticism I'd have. I do have one more thing to say about it. <laughs> Go on. He rhymes karate with body, and that annoyed me straight off the bat, and I can't get over it. <laughs> well, okay. All right, we're putting everything on the table. You want to know what really annoys me about this album? Go on. The double question marks at the end of Are You a Hypnotist? And do you realise... <laughs> No one should put double question marks. If you put a single question mark, everyone knows what's going on. More question marks don't make it more questionable. Stop everyone. And this doesn't just apply to the Flaming Lips because I've seen it in emails at work and it really pisses me off. Don't do double question marks. If you want to emphasize your question, put an exclamation mark after your question mark because that's what they're there for. Is that called like a, what's it called? It's a a something bang, isn't it? Oh, fucking hell, I'm going to have to look this up now. <laughs> it's got a name, the question mark, exclamation mark. Ah, I think I've heard this before, but so far back in my memory that I, I can't remember. It's probably you that told me in the first place. Yeah, okay, right. I've just found out what a question mark and an exclamation mark <laughs> is. It's called an interrobang. I yes. knew it was a bang. Yeah, An interrobang, which is the best name <laughs> for the best piece of punctuation ever. So, yeah. you know, even if you hate the Flaming Lips and you think that we picked an absolutely disastrous album... You now know about interrobangs. Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's go past that, unless you <laughs> yes. want. No, no, I'm done with it, and and I do think there's some brilliant stuff coming up later in the album. Yeah, I'm 
I've got to go next to Ego Tripping at the Gates of Hell just because of the lyrics. <laughs> just the opening lyric to Ego Tripping. I was waiting on the moment, but the moment never came. All the billion other moments were just slipping all away. And I remember listening to this at university going, don't let those billion moments slip away. Come on, make the most of stuff. So yeah, I, I like this song. This is a personal favorite. Yeah, I, I'd like it as a track. I love it as a name. Yeah, I, <laughs> it's, yes. it's a brilliant title for a track. It's not personally one of my favourites on the album, even though I like it. Having dug into this album a bit more since you said you wanted to do it, I'm really sad that I've missed out on years of listening to Are You a Hypnotist and It's Summertime because oh. they are both absolutely brilliant songs. It's Summertime is one of my favourite songs ever. And it's funny that you say that because... It kind of hides away in the album, but it's really, really, really good. That in particular is recorded very well. The production on it, Summertime, is lovely. Mm -hmm. And it's got this weird kind of reverbing bass floating around in the background. And it's very, very cool. I think if I'd heard Do You Realise and This off this album early on, and Yoshimi had been tucked down the back of the album late on in, in this album, I suspect I would have listen to this loads when it first came out rather than just dismissing it and obviously that's on me but it does make me a little bit sad yeah i yeah i i get that um obviously after it's summertime is do you realize it's probably worth pointing out that um the inspiration for for this is really sad so coin wrote it listening to stephen drods who's the drummer and guitarist um in the flaming lips he was listening to Drodds crying while trying to kick his heroin addiction. And this guy was just bawling his eyes out. And so Coyne was sitting next to him trying to think, you know, how can I turn this around and make a positive situation out of it? And wrote the whole set of lyrics off the back of this kind of deep, dark hole that Drodds was in. That is pretty crazy. I didn't actually know that story. I obviously am aware that there's quite a lot of drugs in and around the flaming lips they're that classic indie band that do lots of psychedelic music and do a lot of drugs that kind of help with that hazy mindset yeah i guess it's not just one man's very normal mind that's gone a bit askew it's kind of gone askew on all sorts of funny substances and it's created well it's created stuff like on top of the pops when they played jashimi and um there was a a dolphin playing the guitar bouncing around on set all the time <laughs> turned out that at the very end they took the dolphin's head off and it was justin timberlake who was <laughs> spent the whole of top of the pops dressed up as a dolphin which is quite cool you know out of all the things timberlake has done being a dolphin playing <laughs> for the, the flaming lips is quite cool <laughs> yeah we should talk about their live stuff in a bit more detail in a bit because that's probably just as important an aspect of them as a band as as all of this stuff. But before we do, have you stuck with the Flaming Lips over the years? Have you listened to more of their stuff? Yeah, so I, I bought the follow-up album to to this one. Mm-hmm. So I bought A War With The Mystics. And it's a bit touch and go. It seems like it's more of the same. And the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah song annoyed me a little bit. <laughs> if you want a good song out of all of this, uh, the WAND is probably the best song on the album. It rocks. It's got a really, really cool bass line and kind of drum rhythms. It's worth listening to. But from there, from from that point, it kind of, I've lost touch. I have to take issue with the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah song because it's one that really should annoy me, but it's got a belting bass line. And I, I love it for that. 
it just bounces along. This is part of my trouble with the Flaming Lips is that I found them so hard to get into once with Yoshimi. And then the Soft Bulletin as well. I kind of didn't totally get all of that. So the more recent albums, I'm kind of reluctant to go, do I have to go through all of this again just to try and get into a, a band? Well, have you heard the term New Wayne Coin? New Wayne Coin? No, I do not know what you're talking about. So this is a term that a lot of fans from the kind of mid-90s to late 2000s, so that kind of 15-year period, their sort of highlight period of their career where they've sort of coined this term new Wayne coin. So Wayne coin was this figure who had all of his lyrics were all about love and positivity and being a kind person, all this kind of stuff. And then his marriage broke down in kind of 2007 to 2012 seemed to be when it sort of went off the rails. And he went through this phase of being an absolute dickhead and I'm not entirely sure whether that's ended yet. So there's just this stream of weird and bad weird things that were going on. So he shut down a US airport because he had a gold grenade in his luggage that he didn't bother <laughs> telling them was there. I didn't know that. Erica Badu featured in a video for the first time I ever saw your face and was really pissed off about it. So she posted this long, angry rant stating you obviously have a misconception of who I am artistically you did everything wrong on set you showed me a beautiful concept that I trusted and I was mistaken I would never approve that tasteless meaningless shock motivated video which is basically her and then her sister standing in as a body double in a bathtub of glittery what appears to be come right. <laughs> for want of a better word that did seem to be released in a kind of a shock tactic way if you go and look oh, at some of the story no, okay. around this yeah. so she was really hacked off and she finished her post with you can kiss my glittery ass and he responded with a photo of glittery lips with i kissed it thanks and nice ass which when you've just really pissed off a collaborator feels like a really shitty way to deal with it yeah yeah. And he also said later on that he was, and I quote, warned and knew that she was an unpredictable freak. It does look like he's gone off the rails. I mean, his new wife, um, as of 2019, she's 30. Waincoin's 60 mm -hmm. now. So he's kind of, he's clearly dumped the old one, had a bit of a a period, and now he's he's with, with a younger model. So I don't know. That that may be true, and I kind of hope that that has settled him down a bit, but there's a whole bunch of stuff. So Cliff Sherlock, who's an ex-drummer, accused him of endless verbal and threatening physical abuse after he was relieved of band duties. So this was because, or he claims, the drummer claims, this was because he stood up to Wayne Coyne, who at the time was friends with Christina Fallon, the daughter of Oklahoma Governor Mary Fallon, she posted a photo to her Instagram account wearing a Native American headdress. And whether you're listening to this and you're not really aware of American sensitivities and politics, but basically that's pretty much a no-no in the US. It's considered really insensitive to Native Americans to do that kind of stuff. And after some blowback, she made a statement basically not really apologizing and defending herself Skurlock was apparently openly critical of her and Coin was supportive and at this point Coin booted him out of the band having also posted his own Instagram photo that involved people and a dog wearing Native American headdress that he then issued a sort of non-apology for 
but yeah, there's all this stuff that's just like just just being a bit of a dick, Wayne. Can yeah. you can you go back to being like that fun weirdo freak that we really liked? Yeah. Okay. So let's assume right now that the the old Wayne coin has has gone and he's he's dead and buried. We probably can still mention his live performances in oh, yeah. in the in a kind of the same vein as they've always had. And I guess so this is where I've seen them live. I remember stumbling across them in a festival. And the reason nice. that they caught my eye was there was a giant bubble rolling across yes. a bunch of, at the front of the mosh pit with a Wayne coin in the middle of it <laughs> and a bunch of, um, I think there were people dressed up as animals bouncing around the stage. And it was like, what, what is this going on? It's, it's bonkers. It's lasers, there's smoke machines, it's chaos. Yep. Absolutely. And that is what makes me sad about the new Wayne coin stories is that those live shows are just so much fun. So I've seen... I've seen them live probably four or five times. I don't know if you've seen them just the once. Just the once, yeah. But that would have been, what, a late 90s Glastonbury performance? Yeah, yes. (laughs) Right. I saw them at Glastonbury in 2010, so just at the start of the weird Wayne Coyne phase, and they were still doing all of the bubbles and firing confetti everywhere. And I'd seen him before that as well, the first time I saw them actually was a recording for uh, Channel 4's music show in the mid-thousands. I can't remember what it's called. Ooh. Channel 4's chart show, I, fi- okay. I forget. Yeah. And they would record in Coco's in Camden, just live performances from some of the bands that they wanted on. And you could go along for free if you turned up early enough and got free tickets. You could then be in the audience. And my friend Nikki. Hey, Nikki, if you're listening, got us tickets to go and see them. And they played some brilliant stuff and they finished with, do you realise, with just confetti cannons blasting out over the audience at Coco's. And it was it was just wonderful awesome. and so much fun. And I have actually seen them more recently. I saw them at End of the Road two years ago, three years ago, something like that. I think it was for the 10th anniversary for End of the Road. They got in some bigger bands, and I think Flaming Lips were one of those. And he was back to doing Giant Bubble and all that fun stuff. One of the performances I saw him, he was, this was in Brixton, I think at the Electric Ballroom, maybe. Mm-hmm. And he was just standing on stage with all these kind of big rubber tubes <laughs> all attached to like this central stage. And it was very weird, and the music wasn't great. And I sort of didn't love it. That must have been one of the, the weirder less standard flaming lips performances that i've seen because i was expecting exactly what you described the chaos yeah and it it wasn't that and the music was a bit weird and he didn't play a lot of the the era of stuff that i really liked but the more recent performance that was brilliant and wonderful and it was like big giant bubbles and you know rolling stuff off the stage and all that kind of stuff the 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 animals that you mentioned that's always fun because there are so many massive name celebrities that have allegedly been in those yep. different outfits over the years That's right. and, and no one knows which ones are true and which ones aren't yeah he's got a, a whole host of and it kind of from the end of the 90s they he suddenly became massively kind of buddies with all of the celebrities that you know mm-hmm. there's a whole list of them i mean i've got one it's like yoko ono keisha chris martin my cyrus blah 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 blah, blah. Yep. lots of big names and at some point yeah they've, they've probably been in there 
it's interesting actually listening to him talk about his live performances. He always says he tries to play all of the really, really big hits at every gig because he says he know, knows how much it means to people. He said that he was at a Radiohead gig and it finished and um, they didn't play Creep. He, so he stood up on a chair at the end of it and started screaming at them, tell them to play Creep. He was kind of doing it in a funny way, but, you know, he kind of says you should play the big stuff. You know, you shouldn't just hide it. Right. This is the stuff that's got you big over the years. So, yeah, I don't know that I subscribe to that fully for when you're touring a new album and you want to play a lot of that stuff. Certainly, you know, the encore should be a bunch of bigger hits. But in terms of festival gigs, absolutely, it should just be basically a a greatest hits because so many of the people at that festival will sort of know who you are. And so you should entertain them as well. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, there's interesting stuff about them touring and uh, him having a dig at Beck. He toured with Beck and he assumed that Beck was just a really, really cool guy um, and was chilled out. But apparently he's a bit of a control freak and he had issues about everything that was going on and was trying to control the press and the media and make sure that nothing was bad was printed about them. And he, So he got pissed off with Beck. He seems like a character. Yeah, I don't know that. I completely believe that take on Beck. I can absolutely believe that Beck is a bit uptight and quite control freaky about his image. But I'd also imagine that Wayne Coyne could probably rub people up the wrong way (laughs) without trying too hard. Yeah, I I think we can confirm from some of the stories you just mentioned. (laughs) So influences, how do you think of them in terms of influencing your musical tastes? Uh, I, I think they came out at a time when the Flaming Lips, Mercury Rev, OK Computer, Radiohead, there were some really big, really interesting bands taking music in a different direction. Um, we haven't actually talked about Mercury Rev, but at the time, really, those three bands were in the alt music, indie world, just huge and going supernova. So I think from that point, I've, I was really interested in them. And I think now, going back to this album, I really appreciate it more, but between the late 90s and now they've not really done much for me i like the fact they exist and i like the fact that if i see them on a festival bill i'm going to go over there because it's going to be a fun time where there's going to be some good music and a bit of chaos how about you i think their live music is the thing where they've been an influence in terms of subverting the expectations that i had around what you might expect from an indie band at a live gig they're just they put on a show and I don't think we saw that with Britpop and those kind of bands. They would just turn up, play the music, maybe a bit of banter with the, the audience, but that was it. And we'd sort of lost that from the Pink Floyds of the world from the 60s and 70s, where it was as much about the show as it was about the music. Yeah, that's fair. They've raised the bar. I mean, you now see a lot of bands doing the lasers you know actually having the big balls which people roll around in i mean mm-hmm. keith flint started doing that in with prodigy um in fact i remember at glastonbury there was a power cut and he was inside a big plastic ball and i think the power turned off and he was stuck inside this plastic ball with no music getting really pissed off but that's a <laughs> that's another story Brilliant. but yeah I, i'm sure that he's inspired a lot of other artists to make more of an effort because as he says he's an entertainer that's his job yeah you mentioned other bands from that era. I'm just looking at the, the song list for Deserter Songs by Mercury Rev. And holy shit, we need to talk about this album soon. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Well, so 
I'm going to say it now, and I'm going to say it again on the Mercury Rev podcast when it happens, but my dad put Mercury Rev on. I showed him the album, and he turned to me at the end of that, and he said, listening to that was like listening to a new Beatles record. You didn't know what you were going to get, and you got brilliant music, which you just didn't expect. 100%. And what high praise from someone who lived through that Beatles era. So let's go and do a Mercury Rev one at some point in the, in the very near future. Yeah, and if you have no idea who Mercury Rev are and don't really know their music, go and have a listen to Goddess on a Highway, because that song is outrageously brilliant. Yeah, and then listen to Opus 40 after that, because that's just as good. <laughs> yeah. Yes, let's do that soon. Cool. But yeah, so anyway, in summary, Flaming Lips, kind of bonkers. Definitely you need to know about them because they're a huge part of the indie music scene. And I have a a growing appreciation of Yoshimi Battles of Pink Robots to the point where I'm, I I think it's, it's actually one of my favourite albums listening to this year just because I'm getting back into it. So yeah, I'm, I'm feeling quite happy that I put it on the table. Yeah, and I can't argue with you bringing the flaming lips to this podcast because they're a they're a brilliant sneakily very 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 big band cool all right we'll try and be back next week so come join us perfect thanks for joining us this week thanks all thank you for listening to another episode of i might be wrong 